Hi, friends. Welcome to our podcast, Happily Together. We're your hosts. I'm Kara. And I'm Caleb. And can we just say that we are so glad you are here. Oh, it's a good day to be alive. I count my blessings and keep them all at my side. There ain't no stopping us. Well, hello. <laughs> I feel like starting a podcast with you is always the most awkward thing. <laughs> I just giggle. Well, hello and welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, wherever you are in the world. Uh, we hope you're doing well. Yeah, we hope you're doing well, and we are so glad that you are here. Wait, how are you feeling? You just woke up from a nap. Are you ready for this? I'm I'm so ready. <laughs> I guess I should have asked you this before I push play. You mean record? Or record before I push I record. I am so ready. <laughs> but let's just acknowledge that I have nine more days left with a human growing inside of my body. I mean, nine schedule, nine, how would we say that? Nine yeah. days until her due date. Nine days until her due date. And she is large. <laughs> she has taken up a lot of space. It has to feel good, though. Kara uh, has been going to the gym with me and walking on the treadmill. And every time she goes to the gym, somebody makes a comment being mm. like, there's no way you're having a baby in nine days. Like, you look amazing. <laughs> Uh, I, I guess it's different when it's your own body and you're like, my body has never looked like this before or been this round of right. a basketball. But <laughs> that hopefully that means well. Hopefully that means she's kind of small. Maybe. But Birthing then again, a small she's baby. My sounds. daughter and the potential of her having my forehead oh, man. is scary. That's concerning. <laughs> How much did you weigh? You weighed ten and a half pounds. Something like that. That is really unfortunate for your mother. <laughs> Rude. Oh. Rude. There was just more of you to love, you know? Yeah, more of me to love. I was seven pounds, so we're hoping she's on my side <laughs> with my forehead. <laughs> okay. Um, we're excited about today's episode. It's the first actual episode of the new year. Yes. Uh, and we have, if you didn't listen to the trailer, kind of rebranded the podcast, and we're excited about it. We're sticking with this. This shit is not changing <laughs> again, but I feel like this is so aligned. Um, for a while, Karen and I have just been holding the question with, like, what is the aspirational identity that we want to call people forward into mm. with these episodes? And something that Karen and I do intentionally um, is we do the things that we need to do to the best of our awareness mm. and our ability to live happily together. Yeah. And whenever Kara had said that, I was like, holy shit. And you were like, I love that as the podcast, Happily Together. Yeah. And really just sharing the the tools that we have learned, the tools that we are learning, the questions that we are asking, and the conversations that we are having um, to help us build a life that we love mm -hmm. and doing it happily together. Yeah, and I think in our conversations that we have, we really do want to create the space to empower people to do the same for Absolutely. themselves. Yeah, and I think like something that we probably don't talk about often enough is, I or let me, I guess, let me say it like this. Oftentimes when people hear that I am a West Point graduate, an Army officer, an NFL draft pick, you know, of you know, a little bit of time in the NFL entrepreneur and they see my life or they hear about my life. They oftentimes automatically think that I am somewhere further along in life than maybe I really am. Mm. Right. And that's obviously been part of my journey with really working through imposter syndrome, feeling like I'm a fraud, afraid of being found out that if you actually knew where I am in life, like you, 
X, Y, or Z, you know? Yeah. But I, I wonder, and I think that maybe people look at our lives from afar and might make assumptions, but I think something that we want to do, assumptions about where we're at in life, mm. um, and I think that's something that we want to do is really kind of with these episodes and our YouTube channel, just kind of document our life because we're, we love our life. We've done so much work to be present in our life and yeah. to accept our life, and we are we are happy. Like, I, I think I can speak for both of us when I say this, but we also are not where we want to be. Like mm. we're not in the house that we are. We're still renting. We want to own a house. Yeah. You know, we want a car. We want a lifestyle to look a certain way. We want a car, meaning we want a different <laughs> car. We have a car. Um, <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think what it, you're saying, we'll keep going. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, yeah, I think it's just with this podcast, our intention too is also kind of just to document our journey of really building a life that we love. We know that, the status quo or where we are at, like we know it doesn't have to have the final say, like there are invitations, countless invitations to grow into a beautiful life that aligns with our deepest desires. And we are both ever since we met each other, we've both been so aligned with doing whatever it takes to make that happen. Yeah, totally. I think, I think the thing that comes to mind as you're talking is just this idea that we can be, so present in the here and now, so grounded mm. in what is actually here and now, happy with it, uh, feeling the abundance of it, and also hold space for all of the dreams that are yeah, inside of us. Absolutely. And I think that everyone carries that. There's there's no arrival, right? Yeah. We know that. There's no, there's no moment in, in life where you're going to arrive and feel like, oh, I made it. Um, and I think that we know that and, and we want to create conversations around what it looks like to be in, be present in the moment and also be continuing along the journey. Yeah. What I really want to accomplish, and I just, I want to vocalize this for whoever's listening, our intention with this podcast is that you feel, as you hear some of our stories and our life and what we're doing, you feel inspired to go deeper into your own life. Yeah. To really maximize and to really experience if, if where you are is not where you want to be necessarily, or if you feel like there's more available to you, like (laughs) we want you to find the courage to say yes to that invitation. Yeah. Because there's so much beautiful magic to be had. That's so true. (laughs) So as we were talking about what we're doing with this podcast, um, something that we wanted to do is kind of have user generated content, meaning we want to ask our audiences specific questions and take their responses and build an episode around their responses. And we recently did that. And the question that we asked across our user platforms, our social media platforms is the question, what do I wish you or what do I wish someone would have told me before marriage? Ooh, we got a lot of responses. <laughs> we got so many responses. I love this question. I 100%. think it's so it's such a good question because I think depending what side you're on, you sometimes see the grass is greener. Yeah, I know when I was single, I always glamorized marriage. I always glamorized how much I wanted marriage, how much I wanted partnership, and I would have friends in marriage say live it up. You're single. <laughs> like yeah, Live right? <laughs> your life. You have all this freedom. You don't have to take care of anyone. And there is this sense of the grass is greener on one side or the other. Do you think people say that because they feel trapped in their marriage? Sometimes I think they do, but I think there is a reality to it. Like 
there is a there is a freedom and an independence and a autonomy that comes in not being in partnership that is really beautiful yeah. like we reflect on that in our own lives uh, s- some of the work i got to do some of the travel i got to do some Absolutely. of the adventures i got to have were were because i spent the majority of my 30s 20s and 30s single and and on the flip side, if you meet your partner in your early 20s and you build a life with them, there's a, there's something really beautiful about Absolutely. that too, about growing up together. And and so I think sometimes we can look at either side and, and have that sense of, oh, well, Which is you, you don't understand because you don't have what I have, yeah. right? Which I do think there is some great advice. And that is something that quite a few people said mm. um, in response to that question is just like, I wish I took more time for myself before actually jumping into a partnership, mm. like a committed partnership. That I was wish a common I, theme. I wish I would have lived more with solo experiences. Yeah. Of course, when you are living solo, mm. right, you feel all alone and all you can do is long for your partner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I get. Um, but here, here's the thing, though, is Kara got uh, some responses on her Instagram and she sent those over to me. And then I have had a lot of different responses and Kara doesn't actually, she hasn't looked at the paper that I'm holding of full of the responses. (laughs) Not really a surprise. (laughs) I'm just going to read some of these things off and uh, I want to hear your thoughts on a few of these. But before we jump in that, I want to ask you that question because we actually haven't discussed this is what do you wish, wish someone would have told you before marriage or what do you wish you would have known? Yeah. It's such a good question. It's so hard. You know, I think um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is that I, I wish I would have known how valuable and preparatory those years were for what was coming. They've just been more aware of them during that time. Yeah, been more present in them. Yeah. I've shared this a little bit on this podcast, but I spent most of my singleness wishing away my singleness, trying to get out of my singleness, trying to find my partner. And... When we met, when Caleb and I met, uh, it was divine timing. It was the perfect time. And we look back at our story and we say, you know, we couldn't have met a day earlier. And I really believe that and know that now. And so if I had known all along <laughs> that, you were, sure. <laughs> that you were there at this certain moment, I think the amount of anxiety and stress and chaos that I, I felt around my singleness would have lessened quite a bit. Um, so I think... W- the thing that I that I come to is this idea that I wish I would have kind of what they, yeah. that common response was. I wish I would have leaned in to how valuable and preparatory and necessary that season was yeah. for me, and really, uh, really embodied like the experience of oh my gosh, I'm a single woman living in LA yeah. and doing my career, and I, think I you did, did that. I yeah. did to some extent, yeah, um, I, especially towards like later years, I think, but. Yeah, I think I just would have been more present with what was actually available for me. Yeah, it is interesting to be able to like look back and say, if I had fully known uh-huh. that this was coming, how would have I have lived life differently? Yep. And then actually, I think that's a clear indication of how you should be living your yeah, life. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I it, like that idea it, or that kind of concept. Yeah, because that perspective drops you into the present. It does. That perspective drops like, you what into. What would you do now? How would you enjoy? What? How would you soak this time up? Uh-huh. Like if you're only going to have X amount of more days, mm-hmm. you know, doing this solo, like uh-huh. what are you going to go do? Yeah. One more that comes to mind is I started to do this towards the end of 
<clears throat> end end of my singleness. I started to do this uh, in my mid thirties. I surrounded myself with marriages and uh, couples that I respected and that I yeah. wanted to emulate. I because I grew up in a family where I didn't necessarily want to replicate that marriage, and so for me it was really important to have visuals and um, ideas of how good relationship could look mm-hmm. and could happen. That's good. So I think that that's a huge one too, is that I wish I would have been doing that all of my twenties and thirties. Finding people to model healthy relationships. Yeah. Finding people who were doing it well, doing it consciously. Um, and I did, I did have some of those, you know, throughout my, throughout my whole story, but I, I think that I got very intentional about that towards, yeah. yeah, like my, you vocalized that a lot to me when we first met. Yeah. I think also it's just, it's interesting now because we are so intentional with having people around us who are still modeling mm. relationships and entrepreneurship and business well, we and can't. the work-life balance. Like we are very intentional now with who we are mm-hmm. inviting into our lives and where we are spending our times and the meaningful relationships we are cultivating mm-hmm. for that reason. Yeah, because we can't become what we can't can see. see. Yeah. yeah. And so for us, I think in all areas of life, that's a huge value. Yeah, I like that. I think for me, I, would, I just wish I would have known how often you would leave the cabinet so <laughs> <laughs> Is that true or is that true? Wow. Why do I do that? I don't know. Uh, it's kind of one it's of those funny. weird quirks. Yeah, it doesn't bother. I just laugh about it now. It's never what, actually bothered what me. What would you want to know, though? Here's the deal. I think what when I actually thought about this, because we haven't, like, come up against, like, you know, major crossroads. I feel like we have... There was nothing that was really hidden mm. when we got married. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as much as we know, like we weren't like hiding things necessarily. Yeah. We had done enough work to be right. And so there's been honest. no like, oh, I wish I would have known this. But I do. I think I will say that there's a part of me that I wish someone would have. And I think I kind of knew this just because of the nature of my work in my heart. But nobody actually said like, you're going to grieve a life that you're no longer living. Mm, yeah. Like going into marriage now, like there are just things you don't do. Yeah. It's not that you can't do, but you don't want to do them. Yeah. Right. There's another person in your life. Your life is not going to look the way that it looked when mm. you were single. Mm-hmm. And there was a grieving process. And I still find myself like, Ugh. <laughs> like when I have my single friends going to do this thing, I'm like, wait, I can't go do that. Uh-huh. You know, like, uh-huh. wait, even though it's not a can't, it's not a can't, but just, but, but I your get life what you're is saying. different. Yeah. Your life your is totally different. Your priorities are different. Anytime you say yes to something, you're mm-hmm. saying no to something else. Mm-hmm. And there is grief with no, right? Because there's loss involved with it. There is a loss of a, a freedom in yeah. life, I guess, in a way. Yeah. I actually remember writing about that right before we got married. That experience of grief of like, I'm, I'm leaving behind a season. You are leaving behind a season. Mm-hmm. And there's so much, <clears throat> there's so many memories attached to singleness. Yeah. And there's so many, you know, just experiences around your singleness. Uh-huh. So many first dates, so many stories. Like you're leaving uh-huh. behind that way of showing up in the world. Yeah. And there's grief that comes along with it. So true. I think that's, su- I now that you're saying that, I think that's such a good point to, to name. Because anytime we enter a new season... We are dying to Definitely. something before and, and probably the longer you spend in your single years, the more you have to grieve because yeah. you're, 
you're really leaving like a big chunk of your story yeah. and choosing a new way. And I, and I, a second thing that I would say to this, um, or a, another thing that I would add, and I don't know if someone said this as much as like you have just vocalized this, but I do wish someone would have really set me down. And I think I have to be in a, a particular season of life to actually receive these words, mm-hmm. but they would say, and I'm saying this anyone out there, like prioritize play over productivity, mm. not to this, uh, like a detrimental sense. Yeah. Obviously you've got to get some shit done, but really prioritize play and having fun in a, in a relationship. Yeah. And I think it comes down yeah. to the kind of relationship you want. Like I know as much as it's kind of like mind boggling to me when you, I don't watch the show, but I watch a little bit of it, like House of Cards. Oh, yeah. The dynamics of their relationship. Like they are these, you know, it's a power couple. They have very high level positions in their jobs and their careers, high status. And they go to work and they come home and all they need is to like have sex, see each other and they go their separate ways. They don't do life together at all. Yeah. And I know that that's sometimes the relationship that people want. Right. But then it's just for our relationship. And for us to live and continue to live happily together, Mm -hmm. I know that play Play. is going to be a vital component in all of this. 100%. It's such a priority to us. All right. So you want to hear some of the things that people said? Absolutely, I do. Um, Okay. This is coming from a divorced person. Okay. And they said, I wish somebody would have told me to stay openly curious. There will be many versions of you in them. Yeah. That's good. That's beautiful. Yeah. I am. It makes me think about Christine, our friend Christine. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) She says that being married is witnessing a thousand births of your partner. Experiencing a thousand births. And it's true. It's true. I think, um, I think that's probably one of the hardest parts of marriage, right? Is that to, to remain open and to remain curious to the evolution of the the person that you chose. I remember when we were getting married, I um, I was processing with a girlfriend. I said, I'm choosing Caleb right now fully for who he is in this moment, at this moment in time. And that's perfect. And I'm also <laughs> choosing him for the hope of who he becomes. And it's it's a tricky thing because you don't you don't you marry, don't marry for, for potential. potential. And that's ever. something somebody said. <laughs> yeah, I wish never... I did not marry. A divorced person <laughs> said, "I wish I didn't marry for potential." Right. You never marry for potential. You marry for the present person who they are in this moment, with the knowledge though that they will evolve, they will become, they will they will change, and that I still feel like that's a mystery to me. I mean, we've yeah. only we're two years in to. I mean, not even marriage. We're less than two years into yeah. marriage, and so. We haven't had a ton but of time. But we've gone through like emotional like evolutions. shifts and evolutions yeah. of like, you've definitely, you're married to a different person today than oh, you were 100%. when we said I do for sure. And I feel the same way about you. 100%. But I think even if in 10 years, we'll look back and we'll be like, what? Well, oh yeah, absolutely. But to remain in the curiosity of that for you and to not have the expectation of how you evolve, I think is, is a practice. Yeah, and I think you said it really well. Like you, I actually didn't know that you had that conversation, or I don't remember. Um, with Allie. With Allie. Mm-hmm. Like you're fully marrying and accepting who I am today. Uh-huh. If you never change from this moment, is that okay? And the answer was yes, with the knowledge and, and the expectation that you will change because yeah. I know you as a human and you're committed to growth. That's good. Because somebody said, um, 
I wish someone would have told me that changing who you are inside of a relationship or going through changes it can, is normal. Mm. And changing who you are doesn't mean that you're like walking away from the marriage. I'm trying to yeah. find um, where that is. Yeah. I'll come across it. Um, so something else someone said, this is kind of like right up our alley. Um, they said that I wish I would have taken time to learn about sex ed. Oh, yeah. Purity culture is not helpful when it comes to your sex life. <laughs> yeah, In <think>. other words, <laughs> if, you, if you have made a decision to save yourself for marriage, that does not mean that I hate, I'm sorry, I'm not going to, I'm going to say this. Yeah. That doesn't mean that God is going to bless you with this orgasmic, mind blowing sex life. Like there is sex education involved in intimacy and sex. (laughs) And I'm not dissing anyone, but I love that this person said it. Like, I wish I would have invested and learned. Like I wish someone would have told me to actually have some sex ed. Yeah. You know, this, I feel really, I feel really fiery about this one. I get really fiery about this one, especially with the women that I work with, because regardless of what you choose around your sexuality and what you choose inside of a partnership, you cannot get married and just turn on your sex switch. Yeah, for sure. If you have been trained or even subconsciously you've been affected by purity culture, there is the uh, the messaging that the body is bad and that sex is bad until marriage. Mm-hmm. And then we, we throw people into marriages and we think that they're just going to turn on a switch and it's going to be, be good. a good sex life. <laughs> and I have countless, countless stories of women hating, yeah. hating sex because of that. And it's, it, it really, you know, I, I think that that statement and that, uh, what she, I don't know if it was a he or she, what she said, um, is so powerful because you can, even if you choose not to have sex before yeah. marriage, you can do a lot of work totally. to become at home and safe within your sexuality. Yep. And explore intimacy so that <laughs> some of that stuff doesn't yeah. isn't stuck. Absolutely. It's a it's a real thing. Um, this is straightforward and simple. If there are this is coming from a divorced person, if there are problems before getting married, marriage will not solve the problems. Yes. Like just don't think that because you're getting married, the problems are going to go away. It's like a, they say that about having a kid, right? Like having a kid doesn't fix the problems. Yeah. <laughs> I someone once told me, I remember um in my twenties somebody said Marriage amplifies everything by 10. And again, I don't know if there's any factual. By 10? Ev- by 10. I don't know if there's oh, any factual oh, evidence oh. in that. But but if there's a conflict, it amplifies by 10. If there's joy, it amplifies by 10. That's interesting. I know. And I, I it's always kind of stuck with me as a as an interesting thought. I don't know if it's true, but yeah, marriage does not <laughs> solve any problems. This is one that always kind of like... I shouldn't use the word shock, but I'm always like, wait, you didn't know that? When it comes to the idea of love languages, how oftentimes people think that they love their spouse in the way that they receive love. Mm. They think that that is what love languages are. So they said, I wish I knew how important loving and loving them in their love language is. Oh yeah. Not yours. Yeah. Like my love language for sure is words of affirmation. Yeah. I know that your love language is all five, but <laughs> let's just get real. <laughs> I'm a right? love bomb. Right? But let's just take you you love gifts, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. 
I love you not by giving you words of affirmation. I love you in your love language. Yeah, I mean, I do love words of affirmation. You do, right? <laughs> I think we all, like, ha- we are on the spectrum, like, in terms of, yeah. you know, different seasons, we <clears throat> need different types of love. Like, sometimes I just really need, I, I love to be loved with gifts as well at certain times. Yeah, I think that um, I think that statement, though, maybe what, what it highlights is that sometimes we're just, we're not thinking about totally uh, different ways to love. So finding these new ways. It's our natural response to love in the way that we receive love. Uh-huh. So it's not ill-willed. Like yeah. we're doing it out of a natural response. Like it's natural for me to love other people with words of affirmation because yep. that's how I feel the most loved. Mm. Part of our partnership is learning how do you receive and experience love? What makes you feel most loved? And I meet you there yeah. in that capacity. I think these are pretty uh, relatable to you. Tell me more. I wish I would have known how much football I would have to watch. <laughs> That's actually not relatable because we don't watch that much football. <laughs> I love watching football now. Um, and this is also something that I, th- I honestly, and you can speak for yourself, but I think you've kind of had to work through this is like not every day has to be exciting and adventurous. Mm. Like there are going to be a lot of boring days mm. and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I love that one. I, you know, I think um, we just recently re- rewatched About Time, <laughs> which is one of my favorite rom-coms. It was my first time. Oh, oh yeah, it was your first About time. time. About Time. About Time. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but I love, I love the ending of that movie because it points out living in the, in the mundane, in the simplicity, and finding yeah. the beauty in that. And I think that's what marriage offers is there is kind of this consistency, routine. You're my same person. I see you over and over. We do the same meals. We do the same walks we do the same routine and I think previously in life that could have felt really boring to me Mm -hmm. and now I think it's so beautiful yeah (laughs) there is such a beauty in it so someone else said I wish I would have known or I wish someone would have told me the impacts that sexual trauma previous sexual trauma will play a role when it comes to intimacy inside of a marriage Mm. yeah That's a very real one. It's real. That's why, like, someone also said, I wish I knew, like, just how much open communication and vulnerability, how important it actually is. Yeah. And I I do feel that, like, obviously you open up on your own timeline, right? But I think the beautiful part of a safe, healthy relationship is feeling emotionally safe enough Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable, to talk about the trauma and your experiences so that when it comes to then experiencing things like intimacy right you have a understanding of why this is happening the way it's happening and not go down a rabbit trail of all of the the different narratives that you can make a story up around to justify this Mm -hmm. i think that one piggybacks really well with that idea of i wish i would have spent some more time on myself because sometimes if we don't take the time to heal the things that are deeply in us then they do, they surface in relationship. Yeah. And if we don't have the tools or the means to, to work through them, it can end up being quite reactive in relationship because Very. we haven't learned how to consciously sit down, share, work through. It's Very. a good one. So um, I somebody said, I knew this, but I wish I would have really known this, that just that disagreements are not fights mm. necessarily. You're two different people with two different backgrounds, with different personalities, different expectations, and you will disagree on things, and it's okay. But with that being said, I wish someone would have told me, or I wish I would have known how to disagree properly. Yeah. Right? Like how to fight on purpose, how to fight well. Conscious (laughs) fights. 
This is such a good one. This, I, yeah, go this makes me automatically think of that over the net principle oh, that we yeah. we should do a whole episode on over the net. Uh huh. It's essentially how to fight well. How to fight well. And it's so damn good. It is so good. It's really, it really empowers you to own your own stuff in a fight. Um, this one is really good. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I grew up in a home where <laughs> there was a lot of conflict and not a lot of conflict resolution. So it was really complicated for me to to know how to fight. We've had to learn how to fight. Yeah, we have. I think we kind of knew from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we were coming in with a lot of experience <laughs> I knew, uh, of what not to do. Of fighting. Yeah, uh-huh. of what not to of do in fighting. Do. Yeah. But I I can look back at my life and say I have grown so much in regards to how I in fight conflict. in conflict. Yeah, I think about like that first think, yeah, couple months of dating. We had like what, what our biggest fight probably like three months in after Trace's show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that kind of, it was it was a little explosive. And yet it allowed, uh, once the once it settled, it allowed us to really reflect on how we fought, how we entered yeah. into it, what was actually going on. Um, and I think we kind of created a new framework of how we wanted to fight after yeah, that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so proud of how much I've grown in my conflict. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that like even thinking of this and how much of this, this is a priority when we have disagreements because I do with our daughter, like mm. I want to model how to do conflict well. Absolutely. It's part of modeling healthy relationships. Yeah. Healthy relationships is not the absence of conflicts. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking actually we went to dinner with a friend last night and she brought up something that, um, that yeah. we had done that had offended her. Oh yeah. And <clears throat> she hadn't told us, uh, and, and she brought it up at dinner last night and I was just sitting there feeling so grateful. Yes. I was like, thank you for, that took courage on her part. It's been so, so easy courage. just to like, you know, cause we unintentionally, did unintentionally something. did something and we both were unaware of it and we both felt terrible and if she had never given us that opportunity, I hate that she's been carrying it for this long. <laughs> but if she had never given us that opportunity to own and apologize and and create that new uh, sense of safety with each other, I think it could have festered into something. And instead, we left in her feeling like, "Thank you, thank you for telling me that yeah. that was that was hard." That was good. Um, I wish I would have known that it's okay to express my need for alone time. That one's for you. Yeah, but I have no problem expressing my need for alone time. <laughs> I need to be alone right now. But I think this goes, like somebody said, like, I wish I knew more about myself. Yeah. Like, I wish I took the time to actually learn more about myself. It's somebody who vocalized that they got married very young in life. Yeah. And I just think that expressing your needs runs in direct, like, conjunction or correlation with, you know, knowing yourself. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is true, but... I imagine that a lot of um, like opposite personalities attract, right? Like you are much more introverted in theory. Mm-hmm. We're shifting a little bit, but I am much more like, I want to be out all the time, talk to everybody. Everybody's my friend. And I think that, though, I think sometimes those opposite things really are attractive in your partner, attractive in the other, because it creates a balance. But yeah, if you haven't learned or, or know how to own what you need in a given moment, it can become quite tricky because if you were to say, I need to be alone and I were to take that personally, which I probably would have done five years ago, right? Like I probably would have been like, why don't you want to be with me? And why don't you want to hang out? 
now I can recognize this is Caleb's way of recharging. This is Caleb's way of uh, refilling his tank or, or whatever it might be. So I don't have the need to take it personally. Yeah. They, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm reading through some of these. So <laughs> um, I, I wish someone would have told me how much uh, attachment issues can create. <sighs> and I wish someone would have told me that attachment therapists are critical. Are critical. Oh, like are necessary. Are necessary. Yeah. They're I very think attachment is such a such a big part of like just healthy relationships. If you haven't read attached, attached go get or it right now. Codependent no more mm-hmm. and getting the love you want. Those yeah. three books we'll list them inside of this podcast. Attached, codependent no more, and getting the love that you want are brilliant. Brilliant and and required reading, <laughs> required <laughs> reading before finding uh, or going deeper into whatever relationship you are in. Um, this is the one I was looking for earlier. Like changing doesn't mean that you're inauthentic or unfaithful mm. to the cause of marriage. Mm. Like I think I know that with you changing as you vocalize yeah. your thoughts and your desires and your passions like change is inevitable you're yeah. growing right and there are some times where i get a little activated mm. right where i'm like oh she's growing into a lot of uncertainty yeah right and so it would be easy for me to want to control how you move through your own life for yeah. my own Safety, but then that's the epitome of selfishness and it's going to destroy and erode a relationship, right? Well, even what you just said right there, it requires a lot of self-awareness it does. to know that you're getting activated. Absolutely. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have known how much self-awareness <laughs> is needed inside of a healthy relationship. Yeah. And that's true. It's so true. And like it doesn't self-awareness stop. Self-awareness is massive. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't stop. Self-awareness is such a critical component of, I think experiencing a life happily together i think staying on this change one for a second is interesting to me because because i i am just curious i mean i'm sure someone out there has this experience of a partner really changing in a way that doesn't feel like alignment anymore and that's got to be so confusing so i guess the the question becomes how do you talk through it work through it allow for that change yeah I just think it's, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a complicated one. Yeah, grace for you. <laughs> grace for you. I, I like well, these. Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, no, and please. I was just going to say, and some personalities. I mean, I I, th- I think of myself and I actually really enjoy change. I love change. Totally. I want to be traveling. All th- I'm not, there's nothing in me that's. Um, when we say change, are we talking about kind of growth oriented yeah, change? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think I think are. this is the challenge with, and I think relationships can still work, mm-hmm. but this is, I think, the challenge. Like somebody said, don't obviously marry. Uh, if a person isn't doing self-work before yeah. relationship or before the marriage, it's don't account on them basically to think that their self-work is going to happen because you got married. Totally. I think it'd be quite the opposite. Yeah. Like, oh, we're married now. I have you. I got yeah. a ring on it. Like yeah. I don't have to change. So if they're not doing the work before marriage, mm-hmm. it's highly unlikely they're going to do the work after marriage. Right. Absolutely. Unless you hit this moment and they're then. If there's a crisis moment, maybe. But Maybe. But yeah. it's highly unlikely. Nine times out of ten, especially as we get older, we just double down on our belief systems. Yeah. Right. We yeah. refuse to actually change because change it's is scary. scary and is so much harder as we get older. Still mm-hmm. doable, but it's so much harder. Yeah. I wish I would have known 
the challenges. I wish someone would have told me the challenges and the role and the impact of extended family. Oh. That's the damn truth. Hey. I would have a very hard time marrying you, I think, if me and your family just didn't get along. Oh, it would be tragic. It would be so hard. It would be hard. Yeah. Like, I think there are people out there that are marrying and falling in love with people and they do not have a healthy relationship. I will say. With their in-laws, extended family. Yeah. We we don't live by our in-laws. We are not immersed on the daily with them. And I think that we have pretty healthy boundaries around family. Very. Uh, but it would, it would be really challenging, especially if in proximity you were really close. Yeah. I think that just, it was a priority for me to find someone that had deep friendships. Mm. Like that's something like, what was the quality of your friendships and what do your friendships look like? And also like, what, what does your family life look like? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was both very big for me. So I feel this person, um, Let's see here. Let's see here. Let's see. love doesn't conquer all. Ooh, there are so many factors. Wish they would have expanded it's on that expanded. a little bit. What does that mean? I don't know. Love doesn't conquer all. How important sexual com- compatibility is. Oh. And this is something that can be learned. Yeah, absolutely. Again, like I think sexual compatibility, even if there isn't something um initially that's you know even if you're not initially compatible yeah you can learn obviously you're gonna have to be vulnerable express your needs sit in some uncomfortable spaces allow Mm -hmm. yourself to be seen it sounds like a blast (laughs) (laughs) i would love for that person to unpack the word compatibility because yeah i think i think we've talked about this but sexual chemistry doesn't necessarily mean sexual compatibility and you could, in dating experience, great sexual chemistry with someone who is not not a, a lifelong partner, right? Yep. But I think the compatibility piece, what it speaks to is that it can evolve and grow, right? I imagine chemistry as, as this instantaneous thing, whereas compatibility I imagine as um, something that can be built upon. Yes. No, I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And I think... Becoming more compatible when mm. you work on it can increase the chemistry. Absolutely. Absolutely right? Yep. Yeah. And so I think that's so easy, especially like early on, like I've had great sex chemistry with somebody, you know, but zero actual compatibility yeah. with this person. But yeah. the chemistry outweighed everything. And then it turns into like this obsession. Yeah. And it, it feels like love because there's this fiery passion. Trauma bond. And it's just a trauma bond, <laughs> deep, deep attachment challenge that uh-huh. i'm <laughs> working through but um i like that and if you're listening to this and you feel like there isn't like maybe sexual compatibility with your partner that is definitely a conversation that you can have and we would encourage you to have yeah um and you can i know that there are like sex coaches out there yeah um not like teaching you how to have sex but <laughs> how to probably <laughs> but yeah there's definitely that out there probably um i on a side note i just saw a woman on tiktok yeah. made two hundred thousand dollars selling her farts in a jar that's on only fans the most disgusting and amazing <laughs> thing i've ever heard she is so brilliant. I, I, I need to know logistics. Like, how big were the jars? Did the smell stay intact in oh, the jar? Oh, I don't want to know any of this. I just, that made me think of is this. Is that true? 
Our yeah. world is hilarious. But the way people ridiculous. make money is just it's so many things are changing. Um <laughs> I okay, back to, back to this. It's back Someone to sexual said, compatibility. <laughs> yeah. There's coaches out there for it. God bless you on the journey. <laughs> Rooting for you. Um, I wish someone would have told me that I don't have to be the one and only person for my partner. Meaning mm. I don't have to be the person that meets all of my partners. Oh, needs. yeah. That's so good. There can be other people. Like, there should be other people. There should be other people. Yeah. Like you process <laughs> probably 90% of the shit that's going on in your life with your friends. Yeah. With key friends. Yeah. I know about it and I'm here for you. Yeah. But I'm not the only one you are downloading this to. Yeah. I think this is the value of community and having an inner circle. Um. And those those go-to relationships that support the marriage. I think when I think about, like, my girlfriends, they're so on team Caleb and Kara. Yeah. That they do create the space for me to process all kinds of stuff. I also am a verbal processor, so I just have a lot more words. Right. Where but I, even you, I know that, like, you're not my therapist. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. what somebody said here, too. I wish coach, I would have known my that my just because I'm your spouse doesn't make me your therapist. Yeah. Right. And I think that's so big. Yeah. I think like the visual that comes to mind is is the spouse gets to be the safe harbor, yeah. gets to be the safe place. And like you said, not the not the the toolkit. Yeah. The fixer. Along those same lines, I wish someone would have told me that marriage counseling should be started before there are any problems in a marriage. Ooh. That's good. That is good. That is really, really marriage good. Marriage counseling should be started before there are actually any problems in the marriage. Yeah. It's like, it's like healthcare, right? Are we doing healthcare because we want to be preventative or because we're reacting to a big problem? Yes. And it's probably a lot easier to get those preventative screenings than to <laughs> Absolutely. have to come in after the fact. Uh, people, some, someone said that, you know, everyone talks about your sex life and, you know, scheduling a sex life, but what about scheduling emotional support mm. for your spouse? Yeah. I mean, that's like psychologically safe environments. Yeah. I wish someone would have told me how important psychologically safe environments are. That's, you it's know, so I, I think that's like the intention with having a standing date night or having yes. these routine ways that you are emotionally showing up for each other. That's good. Um, attachment, again, attachment and love are not the same thing. Your spouse has to heal their own wounds. Yes. You can't do it for them. Yes. Um, these are all so good. I know, right? Some of these are really big. A, a lot of these in the last is saying like psychologically safe emotional spaces. Mm. I love that. Um, I like this one, that there are actually other paths to love and happiness than standard marriage and motherhood. Yes, yes, Boom. and yes. Absolutely, I love that one. How big is that? It's so big, and it is so expansive and so true. I, I just think that's so big because <clears throat> I feel like being in a predominantly <laughs> Christian culture, there's only one way. Mm. And I think that idea of life has kind of permeated yeah. into all other areas of our life. Like there's only one way to find happiness. There's only one way to find success. There's only one way. There's yeah. this way, right? There are 
love is infinite. There's an infinite amount of ways to experience mm. what you're longing to experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming this person might have gotten married and realized that marriage did not give him or her what they were looking for yeah. or motherhood didn't give them what they were looking for. Like there's other ways yeah. to find love and happiness. It's the permission to not want the status quo. And that is absolutely okay. I think that's so good. Mm-hmm. I'm actually like writing myself a note with that because it's just powerful. Yeah. Um, you're committing. So something that we've said along the way, um, you're committing to love whoever the person becomes. Yep. Because somebody is, they're always changing. So you're committing to love them as this they change. This one keeps coming up. It came up a lot. Yeah. Um, This one's big and it's also heartbreaking and I can relate to it. Not because of us, but I just feel you. You can be married and still feel lonely. Yeah, absolutely. You can be married and still feel lonely. Like You're an incredible, emotionally safe and supportive spouse. Mm. I vocalize have to you at times where I'm like trying to like figure something out mm. and I need help and I don't vocalize that I don't that I need help figuring something out or I'm asking for your like input or whatever mm. and then you don't say anything because you know that like for nine times out of ten I just need you, <laughs> you to listen. Don't want me to I don't want something. you to say anything. But I in the in a moment uh, I'm like, Oh, I feel so alone. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I just I I can feel that. I can feel that too and I I love acknowledging it because, again, going back to what we said in the very beginning, the grass is always greener. There is this idea that once you have your partner or your soul person that you don't feel those things anymore. And I just think it's part of the human experience is to feel that that deep loneliness. In that that sense, uh, I wish I would have known that your spouse isn't a mind reader. (laughs) (laughs) Name what you want, people. Name what you want. Name what Um, you want. But But truly. Especially yes. to the women. Name what you want. It's so empowering to name the things that we need. Here's a funny want. one, though, and we've got a solution for you. I wish I would have known how much of a pain in the ass it is to change your last name. <laughs> we do have a solution. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It is historically a terrible process, but there's this company that we love called Newly Named. Newly Named. And we can link them in the show notes, but basically you get married and they send you this, or you you get engaged, and they send you a folder on all of the things you possibly need to change your name in every aspect of your life. And it was the most, it was like $80, and it was the most brilliant thing I've ever done. I love that. And I can't really speak to this because you handled all of those. I did. I changed my name. That was your responsibility on our to-do lists. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, this one actually I feel like has a a heartbreaking story, but also a very redemptive and courageous story attached to it. Mm. I wish someone would have told me that it's okay to back out before saying I do. Like right before saying I do. (sighs) Yeah. I know somebody that has gotten married and they asked me before they got married, like almost moments before. Yeah. Like, is it okay if I leave? Like if I back out and I was like, are you kidding me? Absolutely. Like I was just like shocked. You said yes. I was shocked. Mm. And then I remember almost literally standing up in the middle of the wedding. And I didn't. And they got divorced less than a year later. Yeah. There's too many of these It's so hard. But yes, it is okay to back out. It is okay. And here is the thing. Nothing is not redeemable. Nothing. So if there is this hesitation and fear and you're not all in, (laughs) the... 
the ramifications of ending it there versus staying in and having to backpedal out feel, at least in my perspective, a little bit easier. This one's good. We've had conversations around this before getting married. I wish someone would have told me to pay attention to my partner's spending habits before getting married. I wish someone would have uh, told me to pay attention to my partner's spending habits before getting married. Oh. That's a good one. And then. Why didn't I watch your spending habits? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's true, though. Like, we talked about, I had to have a candid conversation with you about how I was trying to restore my relationship with money because there was so much shame attached to Mm -hmm. money. And my money story was so full of shame that that was a necessary conversation. If you would have found out my money story was infiltrated with shame after getting married, like that would have been a fucking, we should do a whole episode on money and partnership because I think like I, I didn't read through that list, but I did see one come through on my Instagram about, um, about combining finances, combining finances early on. And I think that would be such a fascinating... Let's bring on an expert to talk about that. I like this one, too. Um, and we're wrapping it up here. Stay true to your timeline. Hmm. Don't give in to the endless pressure of in-laws in society. Ooh. In other words, if you don't want to have kids right away, don't have kids right away. Or if right you do away. want to. Or if you do. Yeah. But just stay true to your timeline. Yeah. And the last thing that I'm going to say to finish this up, someone said, um, I wish I would have known the marriage box poem. Oh. Obviously, I'm curious. So I just looked up the Marriage Box poem, and I'll read this short poem to end today's episode. The Marriage Box poem, honey. Most people get married believing a myth that marriage is a beautiful box full of all of the things they have longed for. Companionship, intimacy, friendship, etc. The truth is that marriage at the start is an empty box. You must put something in before you can take anything out. There is no love in marriage. Love is in people, and people put love in marriage. There's no romance in marriage. You have to infuse it into your marriage. A couple must learn the art and form, inform the habit of giving, loving, serving, praising, of keeping the box full. If you take out more than you put in, the box will be empty. I like it. I do too. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's simple. It's a good analogy. And do you think our box is full? I think our box is pretty full. <laughs> I think we try to fill up our box. Yeah. But it does, I like that because it does, it does put responsibility on both people to be showing up, really showing Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Um, well, there you have it. Things I wish I would have known before saying I do, before marriage. Those are fun. I know. This it's is fun. It's fun to hear, uh, yeah, just uh, people's perspectives and where where they're coming from and what's worked for them and I love it. Yeah, and if this resonated with you, if you have any questions about any of these or you just want to share something about your own journey, um, you can find us on Instagram and our bios are in the description of this podcast. Or you can find us at caraandcaleb.com, caraandcaleb.com. Um, just head on over to the Contact Us tab and you can send us a note and it will land in both of our inboxes. But we just want to say thank you so much for listening and uh, we will talk, talk to you, to you next time. It's a good day to be alive I count my blessings and